Good morning. Great to see everybody here, and I'm glad you can see me online. I wish I could see you, but again, as Pastor Jeremy said, please uh, reach out and communicate with us, connect with us. We really uh, long to see, and every week we see more and more people coming back. Uh, This Sunday, I saw at least uh, four uh, couples that had come to church for the first time in a year, Um, so it's been... It's been hard. It's been hard on a lot of people. And that's kind of why we're talking about in Lent this topic called cross purposes. And the cross purposes idea, of course, is that there's these great purposes of God and the cross. uh, And unfortunately, a lot of times our desires are contrary to those purposes of God. And the really sad thing is that Ultimately, the purposes of God are for our benefit, and yet we still want to resist those purposes and those plans. Today's specific topic is called crossword. Crossword, not as in the puzzle, but as in the word of the cross. The cross word. Now, I want you to just think about power. Just for a moment, think about people in our world who are powerful and what comes to mind. Do you think maybe about the president of the United States, the leader of the free world? Or perhaps you think of a uh, titan of industry, a technology genius who's now worth billions of dollars? Or maybe think of a tyrant, a dictator who rules his people with an iron fist and threatens his neighbors with war. These are all real means of power in our world. And they're all different. Uh, They all derive their power from different sources, from armies or from wealth or nuclear missiles. But now, I want you to just look at the cross and think about the cross. Because the Apostle Paul today says that the cross is the power of God. Now, many of us here today, we recognize the symbol of the cross and what it means to us we realize that, in fact, it is the power of salvation for us. It was the cross where Jesus died to defeat the biggest enemies we could ever face, sin, death, the devil, hell. But so many people don't know what the cross means, and they don't understand what it symbolizes. And to them, and maybe for a moment you can just Put yourself in their shoes if you didn't grow up and pretend, didn't grow up in church, or not familiar with the gospel. It's kind of confounding, this idea of the cross. And as a matter of fact, Paul calls it foolishness. It's just absolute folly to those who are perishing. It goes completely contrary to any human reason, any human idea of what power looks like 
or how anything can have any power to change something in our lives for the better? Well, it's very controversial. It's a scandal. It, it's, it's difficult to comprehend. And so many people throughout the ages have come up with different theories and different philosophies on the cross, the word, the word of the cross. And so some of the false uh, theories that are out there, uh, and this is, again, this is from the beginning of the church. People came up with the ideas, and they've, they've lingered here and there in different sects and different philosophies. Uh, but one early idea, uh, because this is so God crucifying his son, this doesn't make any sense. He said, well, it actually wasn't Jesus on the cross. Jesus didn't die. It was somebody who looked like Jesus. Maybe it was Judas. Maybe it was another disciple. Ah. Uh, another idea is that, okay, Jesus died on the cross, but it wasn't because he was the redeemer of the world. No, it was because he was this rebel against you know, Caesar and against the Roman Empire. So they executed him for that. Uh, there's another theory that does have to do with power, but it's the idea that Jesus' death, his suffering and his death, somehow gives him solidarity with all of the poor and the powerless in the world. And so the kind of the ultimate lesson of the cross is that love conquers power. Yeah. Um, and then there's the more modern theory that, first of all, people are just offended by the idea of a bloody sacrifice. Ugh. But then they think, how can anybody in a scientific day and age uh, actually think that uh, this death had some kind of uh, uh, value or, or benefit for other people? It's just outdated thinking. And then uh, there are those, and some, now we're even getting into maybe some so-called Christian theologians, uh, might even say that, well, Jesus' death on the cross, it was good and all, but it wasn't all sufficient. Like, it, it helps us a little bit, maybe a lot, but it just didn't do it all. There's no way this sacrifice of one person could possibly take away the sins of everybody. It's just like a balance. There's no way it could counterweight all of that sin. Again, all these theories have been around forever, and so... The Apostle Paul, he wasn't afraid to challenge these theories, all of them, in one fell swoop in uh, 1 Corinthians 1.20. When Paul writes, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? God's Foolishness is so much wiser than the wisest human. God's plans, his purposes, are so far beyond anything we could ever hope to truly understand before we stand to critique or to judge why this happens or why that happens. As a matter of fact, uh, seven centuries before Paul, the prophet Isaiah, quoting God, God's speaking through this prophet. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. 
So it's a real simple catch. Uh, this, is, this is real easy to, to remember. Uh, anytime you, maybe you don't understand the pandemic, maybe you don't know why you got a flat tire, stop by a red, whatever, whatever it is. Anytime you start a sentence, well, if I were God, I, stop. Just stop right there. If I were God, are you serious? Right? Well, if I were God, I wouldn't let that happen. Oh, well, it's good to know. Um, as I heard a, a, a priest say, it's pretty popular. You've heard it too, right? There's two things I've learned in all my years in ministry. Number one, there is a God. I've seen too many amazing things. Uh, number two, I'm not him. Right? Because things don't go the way I would want them to go most of the time. Cross purposes. So God's ways are not our ways. And where this really comes to a head is Christianity, which I don't refer to it as a religion. It's history. But for the sake of uh, discussion, Christianity is the only religion in the world, in the history of the world, that would come up with the crazy idea, absolutely crazy, that the creator of the universe, the God, the top dog, Zeus, whoever's at the very, very tippy top of everything, the most powerful, would become mortal, a human, in the flesh. That's nonsensical. That's like a human becoming a cockroach. Who would want to do that? Why would that ever happen? It doesn't make any sense at all. We're the only people that think that God not only would be born as a little baby, but that little baby would grow up to die on a cross, a horrible tool of execution for you and me, for everybody, everywhere who's ever lived, ever will live. We cannot comprehend those things. God does not do things the way that we do things, and he doesn't do things the way we think he should do things. And that's a pretty good thing. <laughs> now, the cross word and the power of this word, I want to get into for a second. So, where does our faith come from? Because this is really too hard to comprehend. Right? We thank God for ministries like Bethesda, Lutheran communities, that recognizes it is not an IQ level minimum requirement to be saved. It is not some uh, comprehension hurdle we have to clear before we see how much God loves us. Because not only can people with disabilities struggle with understanding this, the wisest human is a fool compared to God's wisdom. So it is only by faith, and faith comes from God's word. I'm going to run through this quick. I'm not going to read them all. But Acts chapter 10, you can go home and read the whole chapter. It's a beautiful chapter, Acts chapter 10. Actually, you can probably find our YouTube Bible study on Acts chapter 10 from a month or so ago. But Peter goes to visit Cornelius, who was a Gentile. He was a leader in the Roman army. And Cornelius wants to hear the, the, the 
the facts here. What really he's heard about Jesus. I mean, everybody had heard about Jesus at this point, but he really wants to know what, what's what's the deal here. And so Peter cuts to the heart of it. Peter says, "Jesus, paraphrasing, Jesus died for your sins. So you believe in Him, you're forgiven. That means now you're right with God. You got eternal life. It's amazing." That's what we call the gospel, the good news. That's the good news. Jesus died for your sins, and he rose from the dead, so you'll have eternal life. That's the gospel, as short as I know how to say it. And on hearing that word, the Holy Spirit just, boom, comes down on Cornelius and everybody in the house. And the disciples are going, whoa, they just got the Holy Spirit like we got the Holy Spirit back on Pentecost. They have faith in Jesus. They have now uh, been forgiven and reconciled with Yahweh, their God, the God of the Old Testament, the, the God. And they're Gentiles. How did that happen? The word of Christ. right? The Holy Spirit works through that word. It's so powerful. We see it in 1 Timothy. Paul's writing to Timothy. He said, remember the Holy Scriptures. They make you wise for salvation. That word of God saves us. Then Isaiah 55, beautiful verses, I love it. It talks about how the, just like the rain falls and waters the ground and that germinates the seeds and makes it sprout and grow, so, God says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It waters and nourishes your souls and it makes faith sprout and grow. It doesn't come back to me empty, it accomplishes what I purpose it. Our faith is based on that cross word. There's even power in that cross word. Amazing power. Now, other people, and I'm not naming any religions or denominations or anything else, but you did touch on something about kind of this Lutheran Christian worldview that is even more unique most people, and this is getting more and more popular, uh, base their faith on their emotions, their experience or their emotions, and they may say, well, this faith feels right. I actually heard a testimony uh, online on whatever, TV or something, and it was so sad uh, to me because this person talked about how he was raised in a more, you call him historic church, Catholic or Lutheran. or He was baptized as a baby. and uh, Of course, we celebrate that gift there. But he, he, whatever, young adult life, he said, you know, I, at one point I just started to feel like, I'm quoting, this is the word he used, I just didn't feel like I was saved. It just broke my heart. Well, I mean... You know, my basketball team lost last night, and I got pretty mad and yelled at Will, told him to get out of the room. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, right? I felt bad after that because I made him feel bad. I didn't feel saved at that moment in time. But it's not based on what I feel, not based on what I comprehend, right? It's based on God's word, and that's it. That's the glory of it all. That's the beauty of it all. Rationalism, intellect, yeah, I think 
Christianity is a very reasonable religion. As a matter of fact, I say, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. You've got to take some big leaps to think that there is no God. It's just crazy to me. But you know what? That's not the foundation of my faith. It's God's word. It's that cross word. Personal decision. Institutional, that's less common today. More people kind of anti-institutional anyway, but that's kind of historically uh, just because, well, this is what this institution teaches, and so that's what I believe. But uh, here's, here's the point, right? Faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? The message. What message? Through the word of Christ. And Paul says, this is one of my favorite verses, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And what's the gospel again? The good news. It's that message. It's that word. Jesus died for your sins. He rose for your eternal life. I'm not ashamed of that. Paul, why aren't you ashamed of that word? Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It's that word that is powerful. Now let me show you how powerful this word really is. I'm going to teach you a new word. Maybe it's a new word, uh, vocab word for the day. God's word is performative. Performative. Anybody use that word this week? No, probably not. What does that word mean? Well, you'll notice in the word is the word perform. Okay? The word of God performs the action that it speaks. I'm not impressed, Pastor. I don't, what's the big deal? No. The Word of God performs what it speaks. And let me give you an imperfect, but an analogy. Uh, please tell me somebody's familiar with the game of baseball or softball. At the first service, it was sad. Just sad. Those people, maybe they were just asleep. I don't know. Okay. In baseball or softball, the umpire has this kind of power, right? So, pitcher throws the ball, it comes over the plate, and the umpire goes, strike! He speaks the word, strike! And as soon as he speaks the word, it happens. It's a strike. Now, if you don't like the call, you can argue with him. You can kick dust on home plate, you can spit on him, right? But what is that pitch? It's a strike. Is it going to change? No. <laughs> Some baseball people. No. It is not going to change. You can yell, stomp, scream, whatever you want. But when he says strike, it's a strike. The pitcher might throw the ball 10 feet over the batter and hit the backstop. That umpire goes, strike. It's a strike. Maybe he just wants to get home early. I don't know. <laughs> but he speaks the word and it performs the action. Now, on a much grander scale, when God says something, let's go all the way to the beginning in Genesis 1. When God said, let there be light, there was light. And still today, every day, when God says to you, I forgive you, your sins are forgiven. His word makes it happen. That's how powerful the cross word is. That is nuclear power. Now many of us, we long to see the glory of God. 
And actually, centuries, centuries before the Messiah came to earth, Moses prayed, and he asked to see the glory of God. And God said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> Anybody who stands human, sinful human, stands in the presence of God basically just disintegrates. He is holy, holy, holy. He just cannot even exist in his presence. But God says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Mo. He called him. They were good, good friends. I'm going to hide you in kind of the cleft of the mountain. I'm going to cover you. And then I'm going to pass by. Now, don't look yet. But after I pass by, you can look and kind of see my back, basically. You can kind of see the passing glory of God. Now, everybody, right here, right here. We long to see the glory of God in our life. And we feel, and we think, and we reason, follow me, that if all of our troubles were taken away, right, if we didn't have to face any problems, if we didn't have to worry about COVID or jobs, or relationships, or anything else, if everything was smooth and easy, then we'd see the glory of God. But Paul learned something quite contrary to that idea. Paul prayed for years that God would remove what he called this thorn in his flesh. And we don't know exactly what it was, but it was some physical ailment that obviously made his life hard. And it probably even made his ministry hard. And he's like, here I am. I'm traveling all over the Middle East. I'm shipwrecked. I'm beaten. I'm in prison. I'm starving. I've been, and I'm trying to share the gospel. And this makes it even harder. Can you please take this away? And God didn't. Instead, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. Grace sufficient in suffering, power perfect in weakness. God's ways are not our ways. But let me tell you this if you want to see the glory of God in this world, you just look to the cross and the empty tomb. And if you want to see the glory of God in your life, you look to the cross and the empty tomb. That is where the power of God is revealed for the salvation of your souls, where bodies will be resurrected whole and new and perfect and souls body, mind, soul, we live forever in paradise. And we can share this gift with a simple word. We don't have to debate with our friends or our family or our neighbors because it's not comprehension. We don't have to uh, seduce them with emotions or whatever, scare them to death, scare the hell out of them, like as a church I grew up in, or, or, you know, whatever, be so lovey-dovey that it makes you sick, you know, like too much sweets, right? It's not emotional, it's not, it's just a simple word. 
Christ died for your sins. And he rose so that you'll have eternal life. That's it. I mean, that's, that's our biggest enemies. That's our biggest problems. And that's how we see the wisdom and the glory of God. Let me pray. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.